the true entrepreneur, the true successful entrepreneur are the ones who can handle the lows because there's so many of them, right? It's you're truly tested. Like how good, how much do you truly believe in what it is you're doing, right? What's up, you guys? My name is Mikkel Kraszowski, and welcome to episode 136 of That Remote Life Podcast. We're here from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals, so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Brad Thomas, the co-founder and CEO of Evercast. Now, you may have never heard of Evercast, but I can almost certainly guarantee that you've been impacted by their work because they play a key part in the creation of some of the biggest movies and television shows of the last few years, including Chernobyl, Godzilla, and the new Top Gun sequel, just to name a few. And Evercast was even awarded with an engineering Emmy for their outstanding achievement in technical and engineering development. Why, you may ask? Well, because they've become the remote work solution for film production. That's right. Even all the big movie studios are getting in on the remote work trend. But, you guys, during this interview, you will learn three important things. Number one, what Brad saw in 2015 that made him invest in remote work being the future. Number two, how Evercast navigated the COVID pandemic to achieve massive growth in 2020 and 2021. And finally, Brad and I discuss how Evercast is trying to not only improve collaboration for the movie business, but for all creative professionals. Before we jump into the interview, however, make sure that you subscribe to my weekly newsletter, Nomad Insider. Every Monday morning, I send out a brief but informative email with all the top news from the digital nomad world so you never get left out. From upcoming conferences and new digital nomad visas to technology breakthroughs and the newest developments in remote work, it's the easiest way to become a Nomad Insider. It's completely free and you can sign up at thatremotelife.com forward slash Nomad Insider. Finally, I would love to hear what you think about this podcast. I've made it very easy for you guys to leave a review. All you have to do is just head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash TRL and write your review. That's it. It's that easy. If you're enjoying this podcast, leaving a review is one of the best ways to support us. Reviews are a key statistic that podcasting apps look at in order to determine how to rank a podcast. So your review will directly help us climb the rank boards and attract new listeners. So thank you in advance for leaving a review if you choose to do so. But all right, you guys, without further ado, let's dive into this awesome conversation with Brad Thomas. All right, Brad, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? I'm so excited uh, to have you here. I'm still trying to process how it's almost Christmas again. <laughs> Dude, I am. It's so weird because this is the first time where I'm not in a cold location for like around Christmas time. So I'm in Mexico and my wife and I were just talking oh, wow. about this. We we're like, we don't even feel like it's like Christmas right now. Even though it's almost Christmas. I live in Phoenix, so it's pretty much, you know, it's springtime almost all year, except the summer when it's, you know, really hot. But I always joke with people that, it, you know, the, the time is going so fast now. I swear I'm just going to leave my Christmas lights up and just turn them off. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's not December. Be, Are you originally there. from Phoenix or did you decide to move there for some reason? Um, I grew up in um, like a suburb of Chicago and then I moved here in 98 and uh, just never looked back. My grandparents were coming here. So I, I went, to, I, you know, I went to Phoenix as a kid a lot um, for spring break and all that type of stuff. And so when I moved here uh, right out of high school, it wasn't like I was just a complete stranger moving here. I did have some family. And um, honestly, I loved it because it was the weather was nice. It was close to California. It was close to Vegas. It was kind of close to a lot of cool things. So never left. Yeah, we get a lot of people that tune into this podcast from a lot of different parts of the world. So it's always yeah. like one of the things that I'm always curious about is like, where are you? And like, if you're remote, why do you choose to be there? And I've been hearing more and more about Phoenix, interestingly. I mean, I wouldn't say it's like a big digital nomad hotspot or anything. Yeah, like, yeah. But I have oh, several yeah. friends who are like, Phoenix is pretty great, man. You should come down here. So yeah, it's it's a it's a really cool city because the you know there's a lot of especially like in my whole deal there's a lot of tech stuff popping up here more and more every every year it seems like um, you know of course the weather is good most of the year and um, it it's just a it's like the big it's like the smallest biggest city it's like every it's amazing how it's such a large city but at the same time it just feels somewhat small. To a certain extent, because mm. it's very spread out over many miles. Um, yeah, I mean, that's there's a lot of nature. You know, you've got Sedona and Flagstaff and the canyon and all that type of stuff. So uh, I, mean, I got to tell you, I, I actually, even after all these years, I still absolutely love living here. Well, listen, man, I am, like I mentioned in the beginning, I'm so excited for you to be here because you are one of the founders of a company called Evercast, which helps uh, essentially take... Uh, the movie editing process remote, and I'm very excited. I'm very excited to talk about that. But first, I want to start off with something else that I came upon in my research, and uh, that is Chernobyl. So, yeah. as somebody who was uh, born in Eastern Europe, and I heard about Chernobyl my entire life, it was something that uh, you know I definitely have known growing up. But tell me, what does that word, that name, mean for you, and why is it so important in your journey? So, you know, when you are an entrepreneur and you have a product, right? Um, when you first build a product, you're building it somewhat based off of assumptions, right? I mean, you have a theory that people are going to pay for your product, but you don't really know until you can demonstrate some type of product market fit. And so Chernobyl, the miniseries on HBO, was kind of like our moment of, to a certain extent, our moment of truth, Right. It was the moment where we really realized that we were onto something. Um, because long story short, when they were making the miniseries, they were spread out over I think it was like four or five countries. So the the writer producer was in LA, the director was in New York, the editorial production team was in London, I believe. I think the sound design team and visual effects was in Berlin. Like it was all over the place, right? And this was the first time where they really looked for a solution to try to make this all happen where they could all do it remotely because for, you know, some of it was for actual production reasons, but a lot of it was actually for personal reasons. The reasons why they wanted to, you know, the director and the producer wanted to stay in the States. They didn't want to travel overseas. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I forgot how the connection was made, but they ended up using us. And at the time, you know, we, we were just looking at them as a, as a kind of a big deal client. We didn't realize the level of, the extent of how they actually use the platform um, that it's, you know, I mean, one of the things to point out about Evercast is it's actually not just an editorial tool. It can be used for, you know, the visual effects reviews, real time visual effects 
edits. It can be used for music design and, you know, sound design and all that type of stuff. I mean, we, the, the platform nowadays is used for so many different use cases, but I would say we originally started off as it being just the editorial as our focus, but that show literally the entire miniseries was made all through Evercast with the entire production team being completely remote. Wow. And we didn't truly know that until after it was done. And then they, we were kind of led into, I think it was a podcast actually that Craig Mason did where we finally, we, 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 we didn't know up until that podcast on the level, the extent that they used Evercast and how they used it. So that to, uh, that to us was like the first big moment where it's like, okay, maybe, maybe we're onto something here. Maybe our assumptions are actually correct. Right. Um, so that was, yeah, that was a big moment for us. I'll never forget that. That was definitely a big moment. And then it was so cool to then watch the miniseries and be like, oh man, we played a really important role in making this thing. Right. So the show was so incredibly good and is now like ranked as one of the best, like, you know, oh, shows yeah. ever. I'm sure that was also like a nice little oh. you know cherry on top of the cake kind of thing. It's just, it, you know, it was a little bit surreal in that moment. Right. Um, we have, you know, we also have a similar situation, like the new movie, uh, the Top Gun, that hasn't been released yet. Mm. But the good portion of that movie was through from from sound to editorial to visual effects was all done remotely through Evercast That's for a year and a half. Movie. They were using Evercast before COVID hit, and wow. uh, you know, Tom was traveling. I think he was traveling between L.A. and London quite a bit. And, By Tom, um, do you mean Tom Cruise? Are you like on like a first name basis? No, no, not on a first name basis. But yeah, Ty, I should have been more specific. Yeah, Tom. Yeah, I just assumed that if you heard Top Gun, people would know Tom. <laughs> I just wanted to be sure, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. He, uh, but yeah, he's you know he's been he was uh, an early adopter of the platform. Um, you know, never actually, you know, never. That was to me. To me, Top Gun was actually the biggest deal of all because as a kid. When I was like seven years old, I mean, I wanted to be Maverick. Like that was my that was my deal. I even have a picture. I even sent it to the production team. Actually, I had I found a picture of me and my grandma dressed me up on Halloween as Maverick, and I had the, you know, the, the jacket and the aviator glasses and all that type of good stuff. So the fact that Evercast played such a huge role in making that movie to me is just that's kind of almost one of those little bit of a pinch me moments, right? Or this movie that was so impactful for me as a child. And then here I here here it's a company that I cr helped create that ended up playing a, an important role in making the new one, which hopefully we'll see next summer, I think is the, the target date. But, um, but yeah, remote work has always been around, right? Like it's always been kind of there on the edge. And uh, the adoption, not just in Hollywood, but just everywhere, the adoption... Mm has been slow up until COVID, right? And I think part of the reason why we kind of stumbled across this idea with Evercast is just because we've always believed from a long time ago, I mean, before it was ever really even a hot topic, that there's so much value in remote work. Yeah. I mean, I just think about, I think if there's one thing that COVID has taught us is that it kind of reminded us about our, our own mortality to a certain extent. Which means that you really, if there's one asset in your life that you should cherish more than anything else is time. And that time is one of those things that you can't get back. Every passing minute that passes is a minute that you're never going to get back, right? And all of our clocks eventually go to zero. Mm -hmm. And so 
you know, when I think about the days of, you know, before I was an entrepreneur and I used to have like a normal job and everything, and I would drive, I would drive 45 minutes to an hour into work each way. And I think about those two hours of round trip commute that could have gone back to making my life better or, you know, heck, even giving some of that time more to the company that I was working for. Right. Like just the, the idea of having to work together nowadays to me is just, it's to, I mean, again, it's it, it became a big deal because of COVID, but it was just such a no-brainer ever since I've be, been an entrepreneur. I mean, just the access to talent. Oh, yeah. Oh, my yeah, one of the things One of the things that I always say is like, you know, being like before remote work, it was all about like you were kind of living to work. Like everything around yeah. your life was based around like where you work, like where is your job? Where does your job want you to be? All of these things were centered around it and remote work kind of flips that and allows you to, you know, like work to live. Like, you know, it's yeah. no longer like so, so shackled. Well, uh, and I think that that is a huge like, improvement on lifestyle for for everyone, you know? Well, and that's the funny thing that it's, that's what's amazing to me about how some companies just never understood that is that the happier your employees are, the better they're going to perform. And Absolutely. that is, you know, for me, you know, being the co-founder of this company and we, you know, we, I think we're at, I mean, we're, we're approaching the hundred yeah, you know, team member mark, right? Um, we started with six, which is a whole other story. Just, just that growth over you know the course of basically eighteen months has been insane. But I just think about, you know, I want my team to be happy. I don't need them to be in an office with me, um, you know, at all. And every now and then, it's nice to see everyone, and you know, we get together and stuff like that. But I want people to be happy. I want people to live where they feel most creative and most inspired because ultimately I know that's going to benefit the company. It's going to benefit my investors. Um, and it allows, and it saves us so much money. I mean, I just think about, man, if I had to move all this team to Phoenix or I had to move the company to, to, uh, you know, San Jose or San Francisco or LA or something like that. Oh my gosh. The, the, the cost associated with that is astronomical and totally unnecessary. Yeah. When did you kind of have this realization? Because I think that you mentioned that you were working remotely, you know, before you ever started Evercast. And so you kind of seen the writing on the wall, right? Like one of the things it's like, I kind of say like remote is kind of like crypto, you know, yeah. where like when you, when you talk to people about like, there's the thing about crypto is nobody kind of dips their toes. And then afterwards, like, yeah, no, 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 this, this is dumb. <laughs> Most people like dip their toes and they're like, oh, this is insane. They go like, you know, like, they go all in. Steam ahead. yeah, yeah. And remote's kind of the same. Like nobody tries remote and goes like, yeah, this kind of really sucks. I really want to go back to a cubicle. You know, you kind of go full steam ahead. So what was it about the industry in terms of of what you saw like what did you see on the wall like what was the writing on the wall that said like hey i think there's a potential in this specific industry that like for you is like you know movie production yeah that you said that there could be a remote um solution here because i think that there's still a lot of industries out there that are kind of like okay maybe remote works for you but it's not going to work for us. And I would have guessed that movie production might be one of those things just because of the personalities related and directors and like the creatives are so like they have their own way of doing things. They don't want to yeah. like change up at all. So what was it before COVID that you saw as a sign of, hey, I think we can add a remote solution here? It was actually in the previous company that we had. Um, it was me, um, you know, one of our co-founders, Alex, um, Blake, who I mentioned earlier, 
And it was, you know, we were working on, we were working on um, marketing content. And our video production, the people who were involved with making these videos, they were all remote. And it was always such a pain. And I happened to be the editor, you know, using Premiere and, you know, I'm not, I'm not a professional editor by any means, but I was the one chosen to edit these videos. And it was always such a pain to have to export the videos, upload the videos to some service like Vimeo or, you know, Frame.io or whatever it is, you know, all great, great services, but upload those files to these platforms and then wait for the people who needed to give feedback to give feedback to all the get the feedback back, not understand the feedback. So I end up on the phone with them anyway, trying to understand their notes. Then I go and make the changes and then the whole cycle just repeats Repeat. itself. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, there's, we were like, there's gotta be a better way to do this. Like this is, this is, this is screwing with the uh, creative momentum, <laughs> right? Like it's just this waiting when I could just be working and, um, you know, we tried some of the screen sharing solutions and stuff and they, the quality just wasn't good enough and it was difficult to set up and it was not, con- the quality wasn't consistent. Um, and so we kind of went down this rabbit hole of trying to see if we could build something that would accomplish, um, this solve that problem, a, a very efficient, high quality way to edit remotely. Uh, with uh, with a remote production team. So it kind of, the whole idea came to be not so much because I be- we believed in remote work, which we did, but it was more based on necessity that we needed, we needed, we needed the tool ourselves, honestly. And um, as we started talking to people, at first it wasn't Hollywood, you know, we were just talking to like advertising companies and stuff like that. And they were just saying, oh no, I mean, we, we pretty much just, you know, we'll use the, the typical Frame.io, Vimeo services um, but no, that'd be great to have if there was something like it. And we found out that in Hollywood, they were doing, they were doing something similar, but they were using like really expensive hardware to do it. It was, I mean, only the top, top directors who had the biggest budgets. Um, if they wanted to do some type of remote work, they, they had a solution. It was through Cisco. Um, but it was out of the reach for most productions, uh, just from, it was costs. The cost was very high. And then, um, yeah, then we just kind of we thought we saw an opportunity and we pivoted and went down this long road. And sometimes you don't realize why things don't exist until you get down the road a bit. <laughs> and if you did realize why it doesn't exist, yeah, it's almost like one of these things. Like sometimes as an entrepreneur, like not knowing everything is a good thing because if you know all the issues that like or all the problems Dude. that are ahead of you, you're like, I w- I'm not gonna go that. I would have ran for the hills. <laughs> ran for the if I if I knew all the challenges that we were going to have to overcome both from a technology standpoint and from a support standpoint and from a stability standpoint like yeah it, there's 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 something beautiful about being not being a naive entrepreneur right mm-hmm. um it's 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 something it's so funny I was actually talking to someone the other day about how exciting it is when the, when there's the genesis of a new idea and then you get yeah. so excited and you're pumped up. And then, you know, I'm, I'm mature enough now as a, an entrepreneur to know that even when I do have new ideas that you have to, you have to learn to, I don't know what the right word is, but you basically, there's creating anything is very difficult. doesn't matter what it is. I don't care if it's a company. I don't care if you invented a new type of spoon, <laughs> whatever it is, right? Um, people, we, we, you know, as consumers, we just go and buy things. 
but you know, no matter what, you, whatever it is that you buy in your daily life, there's there's always a story about the middle, and I'm always just amazed by how difficult everything is to create. And um, yeah, yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen that uh, graph of like the what is it like the life of an entrepreneur or whatever it is, where in the beginning you get really excited, yeah, and then yeah. afterwards you hit this like dip, right? And oh. it's just like I think they call it like what was the thing? It was like the it was some like great name that was basically like um the trial of depression or like the oh, like, man nobody's gonna like, correct me or whatever but it's just you know then you hit this thing and you kind of got to work from it and then all of a sudden there's this blip and it's like oh my god possibility and then you drop back down again and then you have to kind of like work yourself out of it and it's crazy just how correct that is you know like we all have this like blip where we're like this is it this is the thing that changes everything and then you kind of go kind of go back down that that wasn't the thing Oh, and reality, or it. even if it is the thing, the thing, you know, it's, it, it, again, it's back to the difficulty, right? Like, even if it's, even if you think you've stumbled across the thing, and then as you get down the road, you're like, okay, maybe I really have stumbled across the thing, that thing is going to challenge you. And, you know, we are, hey, listen, we're, we're creatures of, we like, you know, we, we search for dopamine, right? That's the chemical that we all, it makes us feel happy, or is it serotonin? I always forget the, whatever it is, but, but yeah, we, yeah. we, we seek, we, we, we seek that high. And so when you first have the, the genesis of the idea, it's like, man, you're just, you're so high and you know, all that type of thing. But the true entrepreneur, the true successful entrepreneur are the ones who can handle the lows because there's so many of them, right? It's you're truly tested. Like how good, how much do you truly believe in what it is you're doing? Right. And, um, it's being able to handle those lows because again, our bodies, our minds, we, we, we crave that rush of excitement. You know, but it's when you're an entrepreneur doing something that's worthwhile, those moments of excitement actually are few and far between because the rest of the moments are, you know, you're caught up in just solving problem after for every two problems you solve, there's one more problem that, that comes up. Yeah. So it's, you know, and this kind of goes back to the team is like leveraging the remote work person you are, I mean, there's, I, I'm just so amazed by how much talent there is out there in the world. Mm -hmm. Like it's shocking. And because of the internet and the tools that we now have, you know, uh, it is just so incredible that as an entrepreneur, you can leverage that talent, um, and solve those problems, um, efficiently without having to be in the same room. I mean, it, it's crazy to think, man, it's crazy to think that we built this company, this successful company called Evercast completely remote. I haven't met 95% of our company in person. Yeah. <laughs> like I still can't believe that. I can't believe that through technology and everything that we were able to build this company and see it through the way we did and never to have met 95% of my team in person. But I think it's equally crazy. The idea of like now having that experience, right? That you've built a successful company remotely and that you haven't met 95% of the people in person. But now reverse that idea and say, there are companies out there that believe you can only do work if I sit you down in the same room, even though most of the time you work independently and I'm going to pay for people to come to like move there. And that's like, it almost sounds like equally crazy to me that like that was such a thing. You know, the reason why that is, is because for some reason, there's this illusion that if people come into the office, you're going to have more control over them and you're going to get more performance out of them. And you can trust them more because 
they're in this, the same building or whatever, right? I mean, if someone's not going to do work, it doesn't matter whether they're remote or they're at the office, right? Yeah. I always, I always think about the movie Office Space, where he, wherever he, he goes something along the lines of, you know, you know what, Bob, I work just hard enough so I don't get fired, and you know, it, and that's true. Like, just because someone is at the office, you know, there, there's a good chance, there's, there's a chance that they're not working at all. They're just pretending to work. <laughs> Listen, man, I was, I had a, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who is in the corporate world, and he told me that he has an app on his phone which tracks how much money he makes based on his like hourly salary while he's going to the bathroom. And wow. when I heard that that app exists and how popular it is, I was like, that's it. The office has lost. Remote is the clear winner. Like that is like that is the moment that app came into existence and became super popular. Remote wins. It's just the game is over. You know well, what I mean? And I, I think, you know, there is a, this actually, you know, the whole idea, whether you're remote or whether you're in person, there is, you need to create um, processes within your company that help you set goals, right? Mm -hmm. Like, for us, you, know, you, you can call them KPIs or whatever. There's, I, I know there's like new different names for everything. But at the end of the day, it's whoever's on your team, what does a win look like for that person? You know, don't micromanage people. What is it? Just have a clear understanding. Like if you're on my team, what does a win look like for you, man? And based on if, as long as we ha have an agreement on what a win looks like, go for it. And whether it takes you three hours a day to achieve that or eight hours a day, that's 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 up to you. I'm not, you know, I would rather personally, I would rather get four hours of solid, hardcore work out of someone than eight plus hours of uninspired so, so. work. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. You know, I mean, it's, and it's the same way for myself. I mean, obviously as the, you know, as the, as part of the leadership of this company, a lot of my time is required more than I would like um, usually. Um, but still I hold the same thing to myself just because there's a day where I only work three hours, as long as I feel good about those three hours, um, that's fine because I know there's going to be days where it's not gonna be three hours. So I'm going to have to work 15 hours. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's all so balance. Like, yeah, yeah. It's never just like an evenness and it's insane no. to think that like, you're going to be as productive today as you were tomorrow or the day before. And it's like all about kind of like moving with that, like, um, I don't know, like that flow of like your productivity and then that sort of thing. So like, yeah, I, I tell people all the time, like, Hey, if you have, if you're struggling, you have a bad day and you can only put in two hours of work today, that's great. You know, maybe there's going to be a day we're going to put in eight hours of work because you're just like super focused or whatever it is. And that's totally normal because we're animals and we're not machines. Well, yeah. Um, are you hitting your, are, do you feel good about the goals you're hitting? You know what I mean? I'm going to, I'm going to treat you like a, I want I don't like treating people like kids. We yeah. we agree on a goal. Go get the go go out and get it. Get the goal, right? I don't care how much time it takes you. You know, that's kind of up to you to to decide in my opinion, right? And so it's just like it's one of those things where again, I would rather get 3 hours of um, 3 or 4 hours of amazing work out of someone than than eight. And we and we're very big on that here at Evercast. Like we we can we we're, we're very we pay very close attention to anxiety, depression. We pay very close uh, attention to like people being overworked. Um, we have a very loose time off policy. It's basically an unlimited time off policy. Um, you know, just communicate with your team. We don't have, you know, for us, we don't have a, a big thing. A big thing when we, when we, especially when we started growing the team is there is no set start time necessarily. 
it's just communicate with your team and just agree on a time that you're going to meet up if uh, you know whatever that time is but if you're a person who's a who starts at 10 a.m that's cool just as long as you see community as long as your team is on the same page with you on that and that's not going to cause any problems i could care less <laughs> yeah and, you know and back to the remote thing too it's and I can actually use a real life example uh, when it came to like a director that used us. I'll never forget. Um, I don't remember what her name was, but she was a pretty well-known female director. And she reached out to us. This was this was right when COVID first started. And it was, I think it was like April or May of 2020. And she wrote, she goes, no, no, it had to be before COVID actually. I'm sorry, because it was the, the context of the email was because of Evercast, I was able to take my kid to school today. I think she lived in Malibu or something like that. And she was driving a lot into Burbank, which anyone who was in California knows that that commute can be 90 minutes one way, right? And the fact that Evercast was a tool that enabled her to bring her kid to school more often was just such a blessing. And that, you know, that really, you know, Top Gun, the Chernobyl and everything, hearing the human stories like that are the ones that I, that really keep me getting up uh, every morning and, you know, and, and killing it for this company, because it's just, I, that, that type of, I'm, I'm so happy that we created a piece of software that's enabling that type of human freedom, um, you know, so to speak. Um, and which is why it's never going to go back completely back to normal. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about obviously post COVID Evercast makes a lot of sense, right? Like in hindsight, a lot of the, these things make sense when you think about like what COVID did to the way that we work. But I'm really curious about what was it like building and trying to sell Evercast before COVID, before yeah. remote was like, yes, like obviously we have to do this remotely. It was really hard because I think all the creatives and studio executives that we showed the platform to, they all understood it. It wasn't like it was hard to understand. But shifting the profile, shifting the workflow was just this like, it was such a huge task. Um, and I think they made it out to be more impossible than they thought. They didn't realize, because don't forget, it's not just Evercast that enables this type of remote workflow in, let's say, Hollywood. There's other tools involved in making that possible. And they were all available before COVID. Um, but hey, I mean, listen, we're all guilty of it. Old habits die hard, right? I mean, there could be, there could be some new document thing that is so much better than Google Docs, right? But I'm so used to Google Docs. It's, it, I'm gonna, just something's gonna have to happen where the need is clearly defined where I then switch to this new thing. And then, and then all of a sudden I switch to this new thing. And I'm like, oh man, why was I using Google Docs all this time, right? <laughs> just as an example. Yeah. But they're, you know, just getting people to see the light uh, in terms of the lifestyle benefits and the cost-saving benefits. I mean, studios before COVID, they were sending... They were spending, you know, so much money sending people unnecessarily to be on location and all this type of stuff when they didn't need to be. I mean, like my business partner Roger, who's a big time film editor in Hollywood. I mean, he's done like World War Z and Transformers, and I mean, just billions of dollars of movies that he's edited. And um, you know, he one of the reasons that he became he joined our company and ended up becoming one of our largest investors, and we made him a co-founder was because he was working on the new Godzilla movie, as an example. Um, that the King of Monsters, it came out like three years ago, mm -hmm. whatever it was. And uh, he did not want to travel to Atlanta for five months because he thought it was totally unnecessary. Because a lot of times when he would go on location, the director is so busy anyway that 
he would never, he never gets time with the director. You know, at the end of the day, the last thing a director wants to do is sit down with their editor and, and go over the footage that they just shot all day. Right. So, um, he was really pushing to find a solution to that would allow him to work remotely from home while the director was in Atlanta. And it just out of pure coincidence, we, we both met. And so, you know, he was, he was already looking, he, he, because of personal reasons, you know, he was going through an unfortunate divorce with his, his now ex-wife. And, you know, he became a little bit disconnected from his son because of how much time him being away from the family, uh, like it, I mean, it took a toll on his relationship and everything. Right. So he had a personal reason on trying to find a solution. And at the time, the only, I would say the only people who were looking for these types of remote solutions were people like Roger who had personal reasons to find those solutions. Um, and so when he obviously used Evercast and it worked and then he tried it with the director and the director told him, listen, man, you don't need to come to Atlanta, just stay in LA. It, it was life changing for him. And, um, but to try to get other creatives in the industry to see that, or it, it, I think the creatives saw it more than the studio executives, but it was just, it was a challenge and it's nothing against them at all. Because like I said, we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of, uh, it's just, it's tough to change habits. And, um, but I will say that those two years, I mean, I was traveling, I live in Phoenix and I was traveling to LA every week. I was actually staying, Roger was nice enough to give me a, a, a room at his house. So I didn't have to stay at a hotel. And it was either me or Roger going to the studios, just demoing and demoing and demoing. I mean, he was so, it was so great because without Roger op opening up his Rolodex, to this industry, it would have been very difficult to break in, just even just get the opportunity to pitch to them at all, right? So the fact that he did that was really just a, it was kind of, it, we, I don't know if you'd be talking right now if it wasn't for him doing that. Um, but for two years, knocking on doors, setting up meetings. And then um, when COVID hit, all those two years of doing all that late, all that just walking around LA and talking to all these studio executives and creatives, it paid off because if you, if people weren't using Evercast when COVID hit, they at least knew of us mm. or heard of us. Right. Yeah. And then the rest is kind of history. It just, you know, it, we just started onboarding hundreds of TV shows and movies. When you say that the creatives kind of got it, but it was the executives of the studios that were kind of pushing back. Why were they pushing back? Like, what was their biggest reason for saying no? Because from my point of view, it would save them money, right? Like, they don't have to pay for all these people to come on location. They can hire the best person. Doesn't have to be the person that lives in like the most expensive city or whatever. Yep. They can hire somebody else. But like, what was their what were their big reasons for saying no? It's just, I think it's more of the habitual thing. Like, no, I want to sit next to my editor or no, I want to sit in the room with the visual effects team and go over VFX shots. It's again, it's just, I think it's just the habit. And it's also that kind of little bit of old school ideology, which is like, you know, no, in order for us to finish this project, we all have to be together. Like, you know, it's the, whether it's in Hollywood or, or a corporate office, right. It's just this, kind of now old school idea that you have to be together in the same physical area in order to get stuff done. Um, that's all it was. And trying to convince them otherwise was just, I mean, it was, it was really tough. And, you know, originally kind of an interesting little thing. So when I, when we first started going out to raise capital for Evercast long, long before COVID, Part of my thesis was that there was going to be some type of economic downturn 
sometime in the future. And that what would happen is, is that the studios would look for any way to cut cost. And mm. the two areas that they would try to cut cost on would be travel and real estate. And that a platform like ours would be this like necessary tool to enable that cost savings to take place. Um, so that was kind of part of the thesis that I used going out to investors in the early days. Now, obviously, I never could have predicted something like a pandemic, but um, but yeah, that was kind of the that was what I was pitching to investors back in the day was that there would there would be an absolute need to save money. Now, what's funny is that through COVID, the need wasn't necessarily about saving money; it was about the need to continue work. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, but like your original thesis was technically correct as well, right? Because uh, people weren't going to as many movies. So the movie theater, you know, revenue was down. 100%, so maybe yes. like, you know, they weren't able to take out as many movies as possible. So they did have to cut costs. So I think yep. like, in a way your thesis was kind of correct. Like the trigger maybe wasn't, but like the, totally. the long tail results kind of were. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, they, you know, and, and they, and what they realized the cost savings after they started heavily yeah. um, diving into using it, right? That's when they, again, any company who's has a disruptive idea, they're tr what they're trying to do is you're trying to get the light bulb. We call it the light bulb moment, right? You're trying to get people to have that light bulb moment where it's like, oh, now I see why people use this. It's like Slack. I resisted using Slack forever. And then one day, I, I remember it. It was we we started really leveraging it uh, internally at Evercast. It was the first time, and it was a there was a moment where I I'll admit I had a light bulb moment with Slack where I'm like, okay, now I get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean? So so it, the question is is how much time and what events have to take place when you have a disruptive product for that light bulb moment to happen? Same thing with like Tesla, you know. Um, some companies get lucky uh, through actual luck and through just hard work where they survive long enough to get. And I think that's us, right? I think it's similar to Tesla. Like Elon was able to make Tesla survive long enough for enough people to have that light bulb moment to where it became a, a uh, the product that it is. And that, I think it's the same with us is we survived some impossible odds for what, four. So it's 2009 or 2020 was COVID. So we started raising capital for this in 2016. So you're talking four years of survival. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Believing in our North Star. Our North Star was remote collaboration for, you know, for content creators. Um, it took four years before the, before the light bulb was lit for a lot of people and thus you know, created the success that we ultimately had. Yeah, I think like, you know, you've mentioned luck a few times. And what that makes me think with your situation is, are, are you familiar with Naval at all? Uh, I, I definitely know the name. I don't know why so, I know it, but. It's, he's like a Silicon Valley investor. He's uh, kind of like a prolific guy on Twitter. Great I, follow, by the way. Definitely, um, definitely. I've heard of his name for okay. sure. Yeah. But he's got this whole thing about like that there's four different types of luck. And I can't really like do a good job of talking about all of them. But the fourth one, the one that you really want is the way that he talks about it is like um, where someone else's luck becomes your luck because yes. you've put yourself in the position for it. So he kind of talks about it like if you're the only like extremely good diver that is the only person that can go to certain spots like retrieve gold treasure, anybody who finds gold treasure, their luck 
where they got lucky to find it now becomes your luck. Absolutely. Right? And yep. so I think that you guys are kind of in a similar situation where you had the light bulb moment of saying, hey, I can kind of see the writing on the wall of where this is going. And you didn't know what it was going to be. Maybe it was going to be the economic downturn like you thought it was. Maybe it was going to be COVID, which you couldn't have predicted. Maybe it would have been something else, but something would have triggered to then move you over and kind of have to go through this period of like, hey, I need to be in this position for when all the chips are, you know, end up being in the right place. Yep. That can be really, really hard. Yep. Well, I mean, what is it? What's that quote? Um, success favors the prepared or whatever it is. I've, it's yeah. not exactly that, but it's something along that line. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, luck is an element of success. You know, I don't think anyone could truly deny that, but no one, you also can't deny that. I mean, if there were moments, I mean, if there were the moments where our company was about to go out of business and me or my business partners didn't step up to make that one final move, which ended up being the move that got us to the next step, um, luck wouldn't have mattered because we would have been mm -hmm. gone, right? So it is like, a, it's a mixture where you just need those, you need the, it's almost like you need to take a calculated bet that if you work hard enough and you, you make as many right moves as you possibly can, that you'll, you'll eventually run across these uh, like fortuitous moments, right? that kind of catapults you to the next stage or the next plateau or whatever it is. Um, but I think it's, it's, you know, it, um, I can't say that all my hard work and all the risks that we took and everything, I can't say that all ha I think that's the reason why we're here right now is all because of that. It's a big part of it because of it, but there are those moments where if certain things didn't happen, like if certain events did not take place, then again, we would not be having these conversations uh, right now. And I, you know, that's why I'm always so grateful. That, that part of it is that's how you navigate very uncharted waters. And that's how you navigate very, um, like uncertain times. Right. I always go back to Steve Jobs' speech about connecting the dots. Yeah. And I the love wiser that. you get, and I think what he meant by this after me going through it myself is that you connect, you look in the past and you go, okay, look at all these things, all these things that you thought were so bad and they actually turned out being so great. Like I can, definitely point to things where I, at the moment I thought that was the worst possible thing that could happen to me. Right. And then now like an investor didn't come in or something, whatever it was. Right. And then all of a sudden looking back on it now, I'm like, Oh man, well, if that person would have come in, they would have been a nightmare to deal with or, you know, whatever the case is. And I just start, so you start connecting the dots and by connecting the dots from the past, when things seem so uncertain and so impossible, you can leverage that wisdom to help give you guidance into the future where things still can be very unclear and, you're not sure what direction you're going, but just have some faith and trust in the past and what happened. And just you're kind of almost betting that's, that those same things will continue happening in the future as long as you keep putting the work in. And I think that's yeah. the most important part of all is just keep putting the work in. Things don't happen just spontaneously, right? Like you need to, you need to water the flower for the flower to grow. Without the water, there is no growth of the flower. So I think, you know, in a sense, that's really what it is, is that the flower still needs other elements besides water to grow. But at the bare minimum, if it doesn't have the water, it doesn't stand a chance. So I think that's the same thing is that you just have to keep putting the work in. And you're because you've been wise enough to connect the dots in the past, you can look into the future and be like, I'm betting that there's going to be other fortuitous things that happen in the future that are going to get me to the next level. And uh, I've seen it with my own experience. And, um, you know, I'm a big believer and it doesn't make it easy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely, yeah, it's something that I'm, I'm a big believer in. From your vantage point, kind of like having gone through this experience and, you know, 
we'll call it quote unquote, getting lucky that you were in a position where COVID kind of affected you positively in terms of like business, at least. What do you think are the next industries that you see remote kind of moving into and really kind of taking over? Because we've seen it happen to, to some things already very quickly, but there's some industries that are holding off and, and maybe are kind of like even like, okay, not here. What do you think? Like what are, where are the next places that at least like maybe you're eyeing or that you're seeing kind of like remote work really taking over in, in this way? Um. I don't know. It's for me, I'm so fixated on just content creation in general. I think there's just so much room just in this space alone. I th- I still think there's so many companies out there that aren't fully leveraging remote work in a way that's going to benefit them more. Um, you know, even like YouTubers, like one of the investors who actually came into Evercast is a YouTuber, a, a successful one. And part of the reason that they came in is because they believe that the future of YouTubers is Obviously, as a professional YouTuber, you need to treat your channel as if you were a professional Hollywood show. I mean, pretty much your YouTube channel is your kind of TV channel, right? Mm-hmm. And by so what he meant by that was that he felt that in order for more YouTubers to become successful, they have to leverage remote work to do so, right? Like like you, I heard you say earlier about just leveraging talent around the world. And that's so true. I mean, there was a huge TV show um, in New York that leveraged editors in Jordan, amazing editors in Jordan, you know, I mean, so, so I think, I think, you know, I don't, because, um, my brain is so focused right now around content creation, it's hard for me to look beyond just content creation. I will say that when it comes to like architects and that type of, you know, creative space, I, I just think creativity, I think there's just so much more space in the creative space uh, for, for remote work to grow, for companies to leverage really all that creative talent out there that I just don't think they are, or they feel like they have to bring it in-house, which I think is a total mistake. And it's, it's a costly mistake. I think it's, you know, I think it's, I, I think just the, the need for more remote work with creativity is really where it's at. Well, let me kind of like shift or like rephrase my question then, because I'm curious in terms of like creativity, because I think that it is one of the things that even people who are deep in remote work still kind of will say like, yes, like to get the best out of creatives, you kind of need to get them together. And there needs to be some sort of like collaboration, like easy collaboration. What have you learned, you know, working with creatives, everything through all the stuff that you've done with Evercast, like what are some of the lessons, some of the strategies, some of the things that creatives or teams that employ creatives can use to improve that collaboration, even if they're working remotely? Um, I think it's one, having the right, putting the right tools in place is a big part of it, right? Because you want to basically create the most seamless experience as possible. Um, two, um, if you're able to, I think it is good for people to eventually meet in person um, at one, like at least once, you know, just so, you know, cause there is something to be said about sharing, especially, especially when it comes to creativity, like sharing that energetic feeling that you, you get by being around someone, especially when you're excited and you're created, like there is something to that, but I don't think it's a full-time necess- uh, necessity. Mm-hmm. So, and that's why like, I don't like, I don't, even though I love remote work, I'm not saying that there aren't times where it's necessary to be in person. I do think there are times where it's necessary to be in person. Like the future for me, for the work world is I hope it just becomes more balanced. That's all. Um, 
So I do think there is at times there is a there are a need, there is a need for creatives to get together and actually do something together. And there's some there's certain things that I don't think you can fully remote. Um, but you can balance it out, right? I think there's a there's times where there is advantages for using Hollywood as an example. There are times where it's nice when the director comes in and actually works with the team. But a lot of times it's completely unnecessary, right? So I think it's more I think it, truly, I, we've talked about it earlier in the podcast, but it's it it is about balance, mm-hmm. and um, but yeah, having the right tools in place is so important. Making sure that the team works with each other well, you know, making sure that everyone is on the same page, um, and then um, yeah, and then I think and the other reason why I'm, I I love Evercast is because. We, you know, when we were setting out to build this ourselves early on, it was all about enhancing creative momentum. And that's the other big thing is that when it comes to creativity, it's that, you know, the best creative moments happen when, when you least expect it, which is why we didn't want to have to wait for those file reviews to happen. There's something to be said about just hopping into a, whether you're in person or you're hopping into an Evercast session or a Zoom session where you can just talk it out and get that idea conveyed instantly um is it, it's it, you know at this what we call it, at the speed of creativity basically right um being able to work at the speed of creativity is a is a really big deal because the you don't want things to hamper or slow down your your creative momentum and that's why we ultimately created this platform is that so you could enhance that creative momentum and not feel like you're lagging yeah i think like um there is this like learning period. Like I have like friends, for example, who tried remote work or like their company like was like forced to go remote and they hated the experience because the company wasn't ready for it. And the company was like, all right, uh, business as usual, you're just doing it from home on the laptop. And that doesn't work. Like there's, you said, no, like, there's a balance. Totally. So you have to have a culture built in. Like, you know, yes. w- w- what we did here is that we do a lot of full team meetings. We do, um, we have a professionally built out intranet where we post all sorts of great, funny videos from inside the team. Um, I try to do um, regular, uh, I call them Founders Corners, where basically it's a video of me in my car on my phone, just recording myself doing a two to five minute, just here's what's up, how, you know, here's what's been happening. Um, and you can't, you can't just expect people to just, like you said, have a laptop, they go home and they start working, right? Like you need to create the environment to make that impactful. Um, and so, you know, using tools like we use this tool called Happio, which is uh, an internet tool. So we allowed us to build out this beautiful internet. Um, I think tools like that really help the process. But again, it's back, you know, back to goals. Do you have defined goals for that person? Does, does that person and you have a, an alignment on what they're supposed to be doing? Um, and then also some training. Um, because if you haven't been used to working from home, it does require an element of discipline because it's so easy to get distracted. I mean, you know, it's so it, at home, it's so easy to just start watching a YouTube video and you forget how much time you spent or you, you need to go take care of something in the house. There is an element Doing of Doing the dishes, yourself. folding the laundry. Totally, Those are man. the things that, yeah. Let totally. me upload this video and in the meantime, I'm going to go just quick fold these Fold this laundry five minutes and 30 minutes later, you know? For sure. It's having, it, it is developing certain type of discipline. And ultimately, again, if you have aligned goals, you'll be able to, you actually can tell pretty relatively quickly whether someone's going to even come close to hitting those goals. And then you can, you can dive into more like, why are you not hitting your goals? And, you, you know, and you, and 
again, you try to, you don't want to create a barrier of communication, right? So if someone's having a hard time working from home, tell me about it. I'm not going to fire you because you're having a hard time. Let's, let's, let's figure this out together. Right. So I think it's there, you just can't expect the, the right, anyone to just go and start working remotely um, right out of the gate. I think that's unrealistic too. I think not only do you have to have the tools, but I think it's about the training and it's about the, the expectations. And also, again, like this, I can't talk enough about this intranet because it really is a way for us to stay on the same page and make it feel like we're in the same office, even though we're, we're not, you know? So, and we do like funny things like one of our employees, uh, um, Jeffrey, he does these things called 10 minutes with G. So each week he releases a video and it's him interviewing one of our employees. And it's really funny because, you know, I don't know if I, if you were one of on our team, I don't know what your personality is like. I don't know who you are. Right. So Jeffrey does such a good job for 10 minutes of just basically getting their personality to come out. They're actually so good. I've been thinking about releasing them like publicly for other people to see because it's a great way uh, for getting the employee to open up. And, and it's a great way for the rest of the team to see who you really are. Um, Cause he, I mean, he asked funny questions. He asked serious questions. And um, so, yeah, it's just, it's little things like that that you can put into place that, that will make the person more effective. Um, but again, you know, just, it's so amazing to me how easy it is to for companies to forget that their employees' emotions matter and how mm-hmm. the employee feels matter. And I, you know, I know we're, no one's perfect, and you know we're not perfect at it. But I, I really try to make it so, you know, me and Roger and Alex specifically, we're so big on like watching for those warning signs, whether it's as a team collectively or at, or if it's like an individual, it's listening to that little inner voice inside of you. It's like, okay, this person's not happy. I don't know why, but we got to get to the bottom of it because you don't want things to spiral out of control. And by the way, they can spiral out of control, even if they're at the office, but it just forces, if you have good ownership that recognizes this, it just forces ownership to be more in tune with that. Um, and, um, yeah, so, I mean, it's definitely, again, it's not for everyone, but I think everyone can be trained into working remotely, but they just can't be thrown into the, it's, you can't throw them into the jungle and expect them to survive. Right yeah. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a different muscle. And like the same way that you can't expect somebody to go to the gym for the very first time and bench press 200 pounds, it's you can't expect great. somebody to go, totally. you know, work remotely for the first time and then like, all right, be super productive and be awesome remotely. It's, it's just, a, it's just a different muscle. Yep. Um, and, and I think a part of getting them to like really uh, do it is you want to keep, you want to find ways to keep them motivated. Like a paycheck isn't enough of a reason. How else would you motivate someone? Like what are some of the ways? Well, it's that you doing do the fun things. It's it's like, you know, we do we do random gift cards, we do uh, you know, like the 10 minutes with G, we have the internet, we do um we have like a we converted an apartment. We used to have an office here, but we can we ended up we 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 got rid of the office and basically transitioned into a three bedroom apartment at a beautiful apartment complex. Um, for the exact same price that we were paying for the office for the sole purpose of having a retreat for people to go to, to, um, to, you know, get away or, you know, relax. And anyone who visits from out of town in the Phoenix, they can stay at the office. We've got beds there and everything. It's an, it's an amazing experience. So it's, it's doing things like that, that are, uh, you know, like, for example, there are times where if I find out that if I find out that an employee's son or daughter, um, won a big hockey game or something like that, I'll actually, we'll send a gift card to 
the employee's kid. It's like, you know, like, good job. Like, congratulations. Because the reason why, the reason why we want to do that is because the, one of the ways to get people from not being distracted when they're working out of the home is to make them feel motivated to work, Mm. you know? And so a big part of that is like giving them a reason to get up and continue, give people reasons. A paycheck is not a big enough reason. It is part of the reason to work, but it's not the only reason to work. Yeah. You have to, you have to feel empowered. Otherwise you're just doing the bare minimum to get by and you're just collecting the money. What's, um, when you look into the next two, three years, what's next for Evercast? And for anybody who's listening, I know that we've kind of focused a lot on like the, the movie production side of things, yeah. but who is Evercast for? Like, who do you want using Evercast? Uh, and yeah, what's, what's the future of Evercast look like? We are, I mean, the future of Evercast is that we want to be the go-to remote collaboration platform for creatives. So, you know, whether it's you're a, you know, a professional Hollywood filmmaker or you're an independent YouTuber or indie filmmaker, or you make commercials for a living, um, you know, we want to, we, we just want to be the, you know, go-to space for you to remotely collaborate, um, around your creative projects. Right. Um, and that's, you know, it doesn't stop with just full motion video, right? Like it's even though right now our focus is providing this super high quality stream. So you can, you know, you can send your editorial, your visual effects shots in real time so your team can work on it remotely together. But potentially in the future, it's also about still images. Like we have the ability to create incredible, super high resolution, color accurate still images for photographers. And there's lots of things that we're about to release in 2022. I won't go into too much detail on those things, but they're all centered around um, developing this, the most optimal experience for creatives to collaborate remotely. And uh, so I think that, and I just think there's so much more space out there. There's so much more, there's, there's still a lot of people not using Evercast. That should sure. be using Evercast, and uh, we're going to continue innovating new features that are going to give them reasons to get to to use Evercast. So yeah, so it's I mean it is at the end of the day it truly is about providing the collaboration experience for creatives. Where can people go to either connect with you or find out more about Evercast? So uh, yeah, if you uh, on Evercast.us is our is our website, and um, I don't really do any social stuff. But you can reach out to me um, at uh, Twitter. I'm not, I mean, I do get, like if someone uh, messages me directly, I do get notified and I I will respond, but I don't spend much time on Twitter. Um, So, I mean, those are pretty much the two primary ways, or you can just reach out to support and ask for me. (laughs) (laughs) Just go to the live chat on Evercast and go, hey, I would like to talk to Brad and they'll hook you up. Somebody will ping you. Yeah. Yeah, not a problem. I'm I'm happy to talk. Well, Brad, listen, this has been a ton of fun. We're already at an hour. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on here. I'm super excited about what Evercast is doing. I'm very glad that you guys exist and helping creatives collaborate remotely. Uh, And I will have the links to uh, the website uh, on the show notes. If anybody wants to check it out, they can find that there. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I really, really appreciate it. And I can't wait to see what other great stuff you guys do at Evercast. I, I really appreciate it, man. And I love your podcast. So keep it going. Thank you.